Disruptive CEO Nation is the place where young entrepreneurs and company founders tell it like it is when it comes to their journey, vision, technology, culture, and whatever they feel like. Your host, Allison K. Summers, believes how you choose to play the world is completely up to you, and her guests prove it. Now let's get disruptive. Hi, everyone. This is Allison Kay. As always, I am so excited to share this story with you today. We are going to London, and we are speaking to an award-winning entrepreneur, author of three books, international speaker, and an extreme professional thought leader in tech and a qualified IBM blockchain foundation developer who, in fact, was the world's first best-selling blockchain author. Now, what we're going to talk about with her today is the company that she co-founded that was recently named one of the top 100 digital pioneer companies in Europe by the Financial Times and Google. So there's so much more to her story. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Suki to the show. Hey, Alison. It's awesome to be here on the show. And thank you for that wonderful introduction. So Suki, tell everybody all of your full details so they know who they're listening to. Sure. So my name is Suki Jutla and I'm an entrepreneur based in London. Um, I also grew up in London um, and I am the co-founder of um, a startup called Market Orders. We are three years old now. So it's, um, you know, we set it up in 2016. And what we do at Market Orders is we are bringing technical and digital innovation to a very, very traditional and old-fashioned uh, industry. So what we do is we help small independent jewelers on the high street to source gold and diamond uh, jewelry products directly from suppliers. So they no longer need to go through the old traditional wholesalers and distributors who typically add huge markups and make it very difficult for the small competitors to you know, remain competitive on the high street. So what we do at Market Orders is we're using technology to basically match supply and demand between the independent jewelers on the high street and the large global suppliers who are desperate and looking for new customers. So I usually tell people we're almost like the Uber, but for gold and diamonds. <laughs> the Uber <laughs> for gold and diamonds. I love that. Well, and I don't know in, in London, we use the, the phrase here, mom and pop stores. Sure. And, and it's a big problem in the world, right? These, these small family-run businesses that, that can compete in today's marketplace. So I think what you do is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, well, yeah, you're totally right, Alison. You hit the nail on the head. You know, like most of the businesses, even in London, when it comes to gold and diamond stores, they are family-owned businesses. So yes, they're just like mom and pop stores. And so, you know, their biggest concern is how do they remain competitive on the high street? And secondly, their shops are usually their legacy. They're normally family-owned businesses. So their question really is, how am I going to keep this business up and running so that I can pass it on to my children or the next generation. And so that's what we're really helping them to do, you know, using technology and bringing them into the 21st century. So Suki, I have to ask, you are this blockchain expert and now you're doing uh, market orders in the, the gold and diamond industry. Tell us a little bit about how you came to found, um, and I know you're the co-founder of market orders. Sure. So that's a great question, um, Alison. And I always say 
every entrepreneur, their journey is never going to be linear. It's always going to be up and down and left and right and, you know, every other direction. And I am no different. So, Alison, I actually, you know, let me take you back almost 12 years. Um, when I left university, I did what practically everyone did, which was to go and work for a very prestigious um, investment bank. And um, I was there, I think it must have been after two weeks, I joined this incredible company and, you know, I thought I'd had it made. Um, and it was two weeks into the role that I kind of discovered that the corporate life was really not for me. And so um, I always say that was the sort of uh, the genesis or the start of my entrepreneurial career. So over the next decade, I sort of was um, accidentally, um, uh, I was actually um, a secret serial uh, and <laughs> accidental entrepreneur, but I just didn't realize it because um, over, those, over that 10 year period, I actually started um, almost five different businesses because I was sort of trying to find my way out of the corporate world. But at the same time, I was trying to find what it was I wanted to do. Because I really do believe that with the education system that we have, you know, I'm extremely, extremely grateful for the education that I've been able to receive. But what I sometimes feel is that we sometimes squeeze out the creativity of, of people and we kind of turn them into robots and then just you know, put them into these large organizations and just expect them to do what, what they are told. So I was really trying to find my way out of it and I sort of uh, tinkered around with um, you know, one uh, early on, I had a jewelry business um, and then I went into life coaching and then I went into book publishing and then I came back into the jewelry business. And the way I came into the jewelry business was actually through my co-founder who um, was also working in the corporate banking field, but he was actually a trader. And he was trading in bullion and gold and diamonds and all those precious sort of um, commodities. And he was, you know, trading these stocks uh, digitally. And he just sort of had this idea of how could we actually supply gold and diamonds using digital innovations? And my strength was really on strategy and operations and, you know, putting together systems. And so he asked me um, to basically take care of that part of the business. And so together we actually co-founded um, two previous jewelry businesses. But what happened with those, Alison? is we just couldn't find the right business model that was going to be profitable and at the same time really, really serving the customer's needs. So market orders was actually, I always say, it's the phoenix that arose from the ashes <laughs> of, the, of the previous two jewelry tech startups that we had. And with market orders, which is now three years old, we have really, really refined the, the business model. We know exactly um, the problem that we are solving. And more importantly, Alison, we also know exactly who we are serving. So, you know, what I have learned um, through my previous experiences, and I always say my last two jewelry businesses, they were never failures, but they were actually feedback helping me to get to this point with market orders. And when I look back at what didn't go so well in the previous experiences is that I think we were trying to serve everyone in the gold and diamond space. And now with market orders, 
we actually know exactly who we serve, who we are serving. And when you know who you are serving, you're actually able to personalize and tailor your solution to those customers. So I'm very, very, you know, specific. And when I talk to investors, I tell them that we only at the moment serve small independent jewelry businesses who actually make up over 88% of the market. And so, you know, when some investors say, oh, what about De Beers and what about Cartier and all these big uh, giants? And I say, you know, breathe, relax, because I'm not competing in their pond. <laughs> I have a bigger <laughs> lake that I'm swimming in. Well, no, and that's fabulous because we don't want to see that 88% of the market go away. Nobody wants a monopoly on mm. any one thing. Um, and I think what you just shared is, is, is delightful. I want to pick up on something because you're talking about talking to investors. And I know that you work through an accelerator program. And I also know that you received quite a nice prize um, in a pitch competition. Um, so can you share some with us about your experiences of um, working with an accelerator and the importance of the pitch? Of course, Alison. So yes, as you mentioned, I, w I graduated through the Business Growth Accelerator Program, which is um, uh, a free accelerator resource for London-based entrepreneurs. And this is actually funded by uh, the Mayor of London, and um, it's headed up, the chairman is the Deputy Business Mayor called Rajesh Agrawal. And the reason they put this accelerator together is to actually give support to London-based startups. And that accelerator was um, over a period of three months where uh, they delivered a series of different workshops that, that ranged from how to pitch and how to put together a pitch deck to how to, you know, bring sales and do social media marketing. So it was um, it was really great, firstly, because uh, the knowledge is is great. And as an entrepreneur, I always feel there is no sort of school of entrepreneurship. Um, being an entrepreneur means just jumping into the water and just figuring out as you're going along. So it's always nice to have that support structure. But secondly, uh, what I really benefited the most from this uh, particular program is the uh, support that you get from um, talking to and working with other entrepreneurs who are basically in the same boat as you. And I always uh, learn so much from entrepreneurs who are, you know, at the same uh, stage as me but they're working in different industries so you can talk to them and share your problems and you know you just have this great sort of um, cohort experience and you know you, you kind of feel like you're not on your own because <laughs> it can be quite a lonely journey um, so I would you know really recommend uh, any sort of accelerator support and especially if it's free um, you can't go wrong and um, so, you know, just building on from that, I had the opportunity as well, separately with a different accelerator program, to um, pitch for funding. Uh, and this particular accelerator was called the uh, London Blockchain Accelerator, where they had uh, 20 startup companies competing over three days um, for £100,000 worth of funding. Um, and so I was actually um, one of only two women um, um, as part of those 20 other businesses Oh, well, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah. No disrespect to my to my uh, male audience, but um. yeah. So you know, girl power at its best. So I I went in and over the three days it was very very intense, and we 
worked on our pitch deck, worked on the financials, and we pitched multiple times. Um, and there was quite, you know, a tough panel. And so I was so excited uh, when I found out that Market Orders had actually won the pitch competition. And so, um, you know, we were um, eligible for the £100,000 um, investment, which was fantastic because, you know, it gives a great validation to your business. And we got great feedback. And it was great because Market Orders, and in fact, all of my previous businesses, my startups, have all been self-funded to date. And I, you know, I've been lucky enough to have worked in an industry where, um, in corporate banking, where I was getting paid um, very well. And so I did do the sensible thing as well, which was to um, put money aside every month. And I called it my escape fund. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So um, I literally, you know, so I, I actually talk about this in my book escape the cubicle because many people are stuck in jobs and situations that they're not so happy in and the number one thing that they think holds them back is finances but I always say it's not finances it's actually the decision to actually leave this comfortable area you know sometimes you're comfortable but it's painful where you are but you'd rather just still sit there in in, in that painful situation so I always feel like when the pain becomes too much, that's when human beings are incentivized to actually change their lives. So when I got to a position and point in my life where I really just couldn't wake up anymore and do the nine to five grind and go onto the tubes and it's completely packed out. And I said, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. I really want to wake up feeling excited and I want to dedicate my life to something that I'm so passionate about. That's when I said, okay, Suki, you're going to have to get very strict with your finances. So I, you know, I downgraded everything, uh, Alison. I um, moved into a studio apartment. I sold my car. I sold all my expensive Gucci handbags <laughs> to, fund, <laughs> to literally fund my, um, my startup because I had people to pay. And so, you know, I was having, I don't eat, I don't like noodles, but there was lots of beans on toast moments <laughs> and, uh, you know, just sort of making those tiny sacrifices. And, um, you know, um, I used to make my own cups of tea during the office rather than spending two or three pounds every day on, on coffees and teas and things like that. So, um, you know, um, it, it was fantastic. So putting, the, putting um, my funds uh, towards the business was great. But then winning that £100,000 was, you know, a, a fantastic validation. And uh, now um, Market Orders is actually progressing to the next stage where we are actually about to launch um, a, a, crowdfunding, a crowdfunding round. And we're now looking to raise half a million pounds uh, simply because the business is growing at such a great, uh, great rate. And we are now really targeting exponential growth. Um, and also, you know, Alison, just to add, um, I actually uh, consciously and deliberately chose to go through crowdfunding. And, it, you know, for some of your listeners who may not be aware of what crowdfunding is, um, crowdfunding is quite a democratic way of allowing um, sort of unsophisticated investors and smaller investors to basically come together and invest small amounts of money towards your overall target. So, you know, at the, at the time that I'm speaking to you, which is um, late May 2019, we are um, raising around half a million on a platform called crowdcube.com. And when this episode goes live, we will really be right in the middle of our, our campaign. And, you know, we've already 
collected quite a lot of significant pre-commitments um, up front. So that's really been great. And um, I'm really excited, you know, to have a lot more people on board on this journey. And I would always say to people that um, always take a look at all the different types of funding options that are available because um, getting money from venture capitalists or VCs is not the only route. And sometimes I find there's so much competition and everyone sort of runs to the same VCs and, you know, um, it gets quite difficult to get their attention. Um, but I, I would just say, you know, give it a go. And just to add, actually, Alison, I did raise a quarter of a million pounds from a small VC fund in London a, a year ago, but I actually walked away from that deal. Hence why I've decided to go through crowdfunding. So there's a couple things I want to, that are interesting in what you've, what you've said that I want to touch on. So um, one, as you said, at the time we're doing this interview, if we go to your website, you actually have this bright orange banner that says we are crowdfunding soon and asking people to register interest. And I, and I think that's wonderful um, because, you know, you're not shying away. And it did not make me feel... Um, I don't want to say it didn't make me feel negative when I went to your site. I went, oh, this is a company that's that's moving and shaking and it, and it has bigger aspirations. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Also, I want to ask you a question about your collecting pre-commitments. So um, I have a big background in nonprofit. And when we do fundraising on the nonprofit side, before you ever launch a capital campaign or before you ever go to market, you get pre-commitments so that the second you launch, then those pre-commitments start getting registered. It makes it look like you've got momentum. Is, is that the type of pre-commitments that you've raised so that they can go in right away to the crowdfunding platform and show instant momentum and um, mm. demonstrate the interest? Yeah, absolutely, Alison. So, you know, I think as we've, any sort of investment opportunity. Um, people want to invest in something that, you know, they really believe in. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to create sort of almost like FOMO, the fear of missing out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, what I've actually learned is a lot of people um, think that they make rational decisions when it comes to money. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because, you know, because we think we are rational human beings, but what most people don't yeah, realize. Yeah, that's why is, I walked out of the the store yesterday with a three hundred dollar, uh, three hundred fifteen dollar <laughs> bill at the register was not nothing <laughs> rational. I rationalized it, trust me, but no. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, Alison. So you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It's, it's almost like when you want to go to a restaurant. You will go to the restaurant, which has a queue at the door, despite the fact that the one next door is completely empty and you'll probably get served in five minutes. But you want to go and see what all the fuss is about with the one that's, you know, so looking so interesting and exciting next door. So when we, with crowdfunding, it's very much the same thing. It's very much my responsibility as a founder to generate the interest that my company deserves. But also, Alison, you know, I, I am... Um, I think it's very important as well that when you're building a company um, to really show gratitude to those people at the very early stages who actually had your back and they back your corner and they give you the support that you need because the entrepreneurial journey is very lonely and it can be very tough. And what I find is 
it's mostly your, you know, your closest friends and family who will say, you know what, Suki, I know you had a bad day today, but it's okay. Just pick up, pick yourself up, dust yourself up. And, you know, we will do whatever it takes to help you. Even if it just means, why don't you come over to my place? I'll make you a nice cup of cake, a nice cup of tea with a slice of cake. And you can just tell me what a rubbish day you had. <laughs> so, so it's those uh, people who I have uh, presented market orders as the investment opportunity that they could really benefit from. So before I actually go live to the marketplace, I really want to give um, these people who have stood by me the opportunity to come in first, um, you know, because I am, you know, I am ambitious, Alison, and I, I have what it takes to build market orders into a billion dollar company. And that's exactly what I'm targeting. So when these early investors come in, I take that as a very serious uh, responsibility that, and it's a liability as well. You know, when you've, you, are, you are taking um, other people's money to build your business, it's a huge responsibility, which I take seriously. So I really want to work really hard for market orders, but also work really hard for those early investors who backed me from day one. So, you know, when we do go live, we will go live um, with a really, really strong, strong start. And hopefully that would also generate a lot of um, confidence and courage in the other investors who are just coming, you know, who haven't um, maybe heard of market orders before. So, you know, all of these pre-commitments is just a great validation and testament to the strength of the business and our team. And, you know, when the doors open, I hope, you know, we will, it will be like a horse um, racing out of the gates. <laughs> oh, no, I, I wish you well. And I, and I love your point about in, in sharing your story about walking away from VC money, because, you know, I've talked to some founders who they really appreciate having more of a singular large investor because then they use that investor as, as a mentor and as um, support for their business. But I, I think it, it really is a unique decision by an individual of what you need and what your business needs. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, you're talking about relationships with human beings and you're right. There's a, an asset and a liability to all those choices that you, that you make. Um, so hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, you're um, welcome. Any advice, I, I like Naked Truths, but you already talked about your, your failure is just feedback uh, story. <laughs> um, any, uh, any last advice that you would have for any of our founders or our business leaders that are listening today? Sure. So my advice always, Alison, is just be fearless. I have had so many instances where I have been told that, you know, you've made the wrong decision. So when I did walk away from a quarter of a million pounds, absolutely everyone said it was the worst decision I could have made and that I just killed my business. But what they didn't understand is that only I am in my own shoes and only I can, you know, I, I, I really trust my gut, Alison. And it's actually taken me a lot of time and courage to trust my own decisions. Because sometimes it's very easy to outsource your decision-making to somebody else. So if the decision goes wayside, you can just say, oh, it wasn't me. It was because I listened to so-and-so. But every successful entrepreneur and founder, they take that responsibility. You know, the, 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 the buck stops with them. And so that's the approach and attitude I take for my business. I, take, I make every decision based on my gut feeling and I have the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to turn this money down and here, here are the reasons for why I've turned the money down. 
but then I have to trust in myself that I will find another way. And I always believe now that there is never a single solution. As an entrepreneur, your number one asset is your resourcefulness. You should be able to find another way. And that is exactly why I'm now crowdfunding, because crowdfunding allows me to raise the funds I need on my terms. I, I'm not having to be, you know, I'm not being bullied by VCs. They, you know, they're telling me I've made the worst decision possible because what do they really know? They see hundreds and hundreds of different companies, but only I can fit in my own shoes. I have worked in this industry for over 10 years. So I, I feel like I know what is best for my business. So I would say to any entrepreneur, be fearless and have the courage to trust your own decision. Well, Suki, I, I appreciate it so much. I usually close with asking, where are you going to be if we come and talk to you again in five years? And you already said you're going to be running a billion dollar company. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've said it now, Alison, so I've got to do it. <laughs> and, and I also just, I don't want to close without acknowledging um, that you are also, because you, you gave a great uh, testimony for the London Business Growth Program, but mm -hmm. on top of that, you are also part of the Mayor's Advisory Council, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So recently, um, uh, the London Mayor, Sadiq Khan, put together a Skills Business Partnership Board, so it's a new advisory board he's put together, and what he's looking to do is understand the technical and digital changes that are occurring um, in, in the employment market in London and ensuring that Londoners have the skills so that they can actually compete in this new landscape. So, you know, if you think about it, Alison, 10 years ago, there were no job titles called social media marketer or social media manager or even digital marketing. And so, in 10 years' time, they are going to be, even five years' time, Alison, they are going to be new job roles that we don't even have names for today because technology is shifting and changing so exponentially. So it's my job to advise the mayor to tell him that these are the different types of technological changes happening, such as AI, artificial intelligence, the internet of things, sensors, you know, augmented reality and blockchain. And what exactly does that mean for Londoners in, in, you know, in the next two to three years? How is that going to reflect on the job market? And, and more importantly, how do Londoners remain competitive on a global scale? Because right now, we actually um, are number one for fintech companies. So we produce the most amount of startups in working in fintech. So how do we actually protect that and build upon that and make sure that we all Londoners have the opportunities and the skills to work in these areas. Wonderful story. Wonder, just overall, Suki, I, I appreciate you giving us the gift of your time. Um, and uh, tell people how they can um, find your company or connect with you and also connect to the crowdfunding. So they, everyone can find me. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Siki Jutla, where I'm quite responsive and active. I'm also on all the social media uh, channels such as Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to know more about our fundraising, please go to my web website, marketorders.net forward slash crowdfund, uh, sign up to our newsletter, 
Um, and by the time this episode is, um, just go to marketorders.net where you will see another bright banner that will direct you to our live Crowdcube um, page. And, you know, Alison, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share my story and my journey. And, you know, I just love the concept of a disruptive CEO nation because I think all entrepreneurs are very disruptive and, you know, uh, I think it's fantastic what you're doing. And yeah, if anyone would like to connect, um, please do just reach out to me and I'll be more than happy to help. Well, thank you. And, and to our listeners, if Suki's story um, was something that resonated with you or you know somebody that needs to listen to it, please um, forward the link to this podcast to them. As always, if you think there is a disruptive um, company founder who has a great story to tell or that we should speak to, reach out to me at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until then, keep your eye on the future. Thank you again, Suki. Thank you, Allison. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.